In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. For a long time, Canada's largest city had a stable mayor. Now, you might think that is a given in a Canadian city. But if you know Toronto's history, you can understand how stable seemed like a fine quality in a candidate in 2014. But stable doesn't last forever. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. So the most boring mayor ever left the office in scandal in February. And Toronto's having an election. An important election. And who's running? Well, basically everyone. I am going to enter the and race. That's why I'm running. I'm running for mayor. That's why I'm running. I'm in. I'm I running. I choose to run That's why mayor. I'm running. That's why I'm out of retirement. There are already dozens of candidates registered, and there's still almost a month for more to get into the race. They span the entire political spectrum from moderately known figures on both the left and right, to boring centrist candidates exactly like the last mayor, to the usual collection of fringe issue advocates, and on and on it goes. But there is one thing this race doesn't have. A favorite. It is absolutely wide open. In a field without a frontrunner, and with a collection of candidates who really aren't household names for any households that aren't municipal politics junkies, things could get chaotic. How chaotic? The last time Toronto held a mayoral election without a clear frontrunner, the person who ended up in front was, well, remember how I said stable can be a fine quality in a candidate. So what happens this time? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Momin Qureshi is the City Hall reporter for City News 680 in Toronto. Hey, Momin. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. You are welcome. Uh, this is a confusing mayoral election in Canada's largest city. I want to ask you, uh, with Olivia Chow entering Toronto's race, that makes how many candidates? 12 <laughs> 50, 80? Uh, a lot is is the short answer. Uh, the, the the accurate answer is at the time of this recording, there is 47 candidates registered. <laughs> so uh, just to put that in perspective, I think uh, in the election uh, that just passed in October, we had a little over 30. So it's not unusual to have a little bit of a high number, but this is this is very unusual to have this many. In, and we'll likely end up over 50 by the time election day comes around. You mentioned we just had an election last year. So for those outside of the city or who uh, have been lucky enough not to pay attention. Why is Toronto having a mayoral race right now? Who is currently the mayor? 
Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question because I think I feel like it's a story that's that's big enough that a lot of people outside the city know because it was a scandal. Um, but the mayor for a long time was uh, John Tory. He was elected in 2014, and he had just uh, secured a third term in office in October of uh, 2022, and he won that election uh, in a slam dunk. He he had more than 200,000 more votes than his next closest competitor. Won a resounding uh, third term, uh, and was early in that third term. When uh, it came to light, uh, thanks to a Toronto Star story, that uh, he had had an extramarital affair with uh, somebody on his staff, a junior staffer, uh, and things unfolded very quickly. And within a matter of uh, days of him finding out that the, the Star was going to publish a story, he basically held a news conference, uh, said it was true, and that he was resigning. And he stayed on as mayor for another week or so, went through the budget process, and by the next Friday, he was gone. Uh, and so he stepped down in in, in quite a bit of a, a scandal and and something that really blindsided uh, so many people. I don't know if anybody really saw that coming at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really a lot, and it, and it kind of left the city in a lurch. So right now, the person in charge is the deputy mayor Jennifer McKelvey. She's a see she was elected as a councillor four years ago, just won her second term. Is somebody that uh, really gained the trust of John Tory when he was mayor. Uh, was some, one of his kind of closer insiders, somebody he really leaned on a lot. And so she has been uh, at the helm like six, seven weeks now since Tory walked away and has been kind of just uh, keeping the ship afloat, shall we say, until the new person comes in. Is she running? Is she one of the 47? No, no. She uh, made it very clear right off the bat that she she was not going to run uh, and that she had no intention of running. And I think I think that was a wise move because it would be a little bit of an unfair advantage or conflict if the person who currently had the role of deputy mayor, who was kind of out in the spotlight holding news conferences, the point of contact uh, from the mayor's office was also running. So she mm-hmm. she kind of immediately made it known, look, I have no desire to run. I'm not running for the job. Uh, and let's just have a good race. And whoever wins will just take over. And I'll just kind of, uh, like I said, keep my hands on the wheel for now and make sure everything stays afloat in, in the meantime. So this is Toronto's first election, I guess, in a long time without uh, a real, like, heavyweight incumbent in the race. Um, How wide open is this race without that? Do we have any idea at all right now? No, this is, you know, as somebody who's covered City Hall now for quite some time, uh, I've been through a few elections. The first one I covered was the uh, John Tory, Rob Ford, uh, Olivia Chow election. Uh, and then I covered the Jennifer Keys, Matt Tory after that, and then the one that just passed. I can tell you, while the 2014 election was very competitive because you had several big names fighting it out, this is one where anybody who is giving you a prediction, I, I don't know how much stock you can put in it because it's, it is wide open. There are uh, several names, several kind of known quantities here, but how known they are, how much of appeal do they have to uh, the suburban audience, how much will they... Uh, encourage uh, and make people go out and vote. It's so hard to tell. And it's likely that whoever wins this election will not win by much. So while John Tory uh, just won this last election with more than 200,000 votes, more than his competitor, and I think over 60% of the popular vote, uh, whoever wins this election will win by possibly just a few thousand votes and a very small segment of the popular vote. So it's really just a completely wide open and frankly, relatively unpredictable race at this point. Before we get to who some of those names are, you know, I mentioned Olivia Chow and and there's a few more and we'll get to them. Um, You mentioned getting people off their couches to vote. The last time we covered uh, a municipal election in Toronto, the point of view that we took on it was 
like almost nobody voted. Yeah. Uh, turnout was very low. Uh, as you mentioned, Tory won in a landslide. Like, how important is it going to be to get people to even care or find out who these candidates are? Yeah, I would say voter turnout is probably the biggest X factor, and it's going to be the most pivotal X factor as to what happens in this election. Um, if we see what we saw last time with a very low voter turnout, then whoever wins, like I said, is going to barely win, and uh, it could be anybody. If we see an exceptionally high voter turnout or you know anywhere close to 50%, 60% of the population, uh, then it'll be a very different story. You know, So it, it's one of the things that makes this election very different other than all the obvious circumstances that surround it, is this time around, they're going to the polls, the people of the city, for one reason. They're not electing anything else except for the mayor of Toronto, right? right? That's it. There's no city councilors, there's no trustees, there's no anything else. And normally for a by-election, it's very hard to get any sort of public interest. You know, if there's a by-election for, say, a city councilor or an MP or an MPP, those are generally very low turnouts because it's so hard to get neighbors informed. I think in this case... Everybody in Toronto knows that there's a by-election happening. Everybody's aware of what happened to John Tory. Everybody knows that they're in the process of picking a new mayor. So in that sense, I don't think the city has to do as much work in terms of letting people know there's an election, because a lot of times there's by-elections people don't even know. But does that translate into people getting out the door and casting their ballots? That remains to be seen. So of the 47 candidates then, there are a handful who to your point, are, are known, at least to people who really pay attention to municipal politics, who are the people who really have a chance at this thing? And just, you know, give us a little bit of the background. Sure. So um, let's start with city council. There are a number of current city councillors running uh, who, have, who have put their name forward. And those councillors uh, have elected to not resign their seat either. And I think that's in large part because this is kind of a mad sprint to the finish. You know, normally the election process uh, is five, six, seven months. Uh, in this case, it's kind of 10 weeks and then it's over. So Josh Matlow, who was known to be kind of the biggest thorn in, in John Tory's side, the loudest voice uh, against him, he has put his name forward and he is a, a center-left candidate, uh, somebody who's putting forward a lot of different progressive ideas. He's come out of the gate saying uh, that he wants to raise property taxes by 2% because he believes that's what needs to be done to kind of fix some of the issues. Uh, another councillor running is Anthony Peruzza. He was kind of a surprise, to be honest with you, when he entered the race just a few days ago. It kind of caught off a lot of us off guard. Hmm. He's decided to put his name forward. He's been a councillor here for a long, long time. Uh, when we had the council size reduced, remember, from uh, 47 to 25 wards, he took on Giorgio Mammoliti head-to-head, and he beat him in that race. Mammoliti himself, a former councillor, is running this time. Brad Bradford, uh, who is a Beaches East York councillor, and again, somebody who was very inside uh, the Tory kind of... I mean, there's no cabinets at City Hall, but he was very much inside that you know fictitious Tory cabinet, right. a big insider, somebody who Tory leaned on a lot, uh, somebody who has come out and said that he will use the strong mayor powers uh, if he wins. Uh, he's a former city planner himself, so... He knows kind of the lay of the land and uh, and both sides of what's going on in terms of the bureaucratic side and the elected side. Another big name that's running is Anna Bailau. She was a city councilor for 12 years. She was also a deputy mayor under John Tory, another person who was really somebody he leaned on and somebody who was inside his cabinet and somebody who uh, her biggest thing when she was here was housing. She was a big housing advocate. She did a lot of the work behind the scenes to get that housing file and make strides, uh, you know, that's obviously one of the biggest issues in this city. It's interesting, you know, I talked to um, City Councilor Paula Fletcher, uh, who is, you know, not notably very left-leaning, uh, and I asked her when Paula, when uh, Anna Bailo announced she was running what she thought, 
And she said, you know, on the housing file, John Tory would do all the news conferences, but Anna Bailao was the one who did all the heavy lifting behind the scenes. And so she had a kind of a lot of respect for her, even though she was uh, not diametrically opposed politically, but certainly they, they didn't see eye to eye on every issue, but she had a lot of respect for her. So that's the the council side of things, even though bylaws not on council. Even that is a lot. That's quite a number. And and you mentioned that they're the big names. I don't know. And I wonder what you think of this. I don't know how many people who aren't like super into Toronto politics would recognize more than like one or two of those names. That's the thing that we talk about a lot, you know, here at the press gallery, like me and a lot of my colleagues, when you're here and you cover a beat, Sometimes you're what I call too close to the fire. You know, you're, you're, you're so close to the fire that you think that what you know and what you're experiencing is what everybody's experiencing. So everybody knows these people, knows the issues. But the truth of the matter is the vast majority of people in this city don't and, and, and are unaware and, and in a lot of cases are blissfully unaware. And so, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is these candidates, do the people in the further regions of Scarborough or North York or East York or Etobicoke, do they, do they know who these people are? Does it register at all with them? Does it move the needle for them to get off uh, their butts and get out and vote? Uh, do, do the issues that are pertinent to, say, people who live downtown, does, do those matter? So you're very right in your assessment of we're all here talking about these candidates, and these are known if you pay any attention to City Hall. But do the people who live in the suburban neighborhoods and, and really midtown or whatever in Toronto know these people? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to be honest, I don't think so. We'll, so we'll see, again, how many of those people come out. And that's why voter turnout is going to be such a key issue in this election. It's, it's, it'll have a huge kind of impact on who wins this election. There are a couple of outsider, or at least not currently uh, sitting on city council candidates, that probably have, uh, for better or for worse, among certain people, uh, bigger name recognition. Who are those? Yeah, so uh, Mitzi Hunter is currently an MPP uh, for the Liberal Party up at Queen's Park. Uh, she used to be the education minister. She represents Scarborough Guildwood. She has put her name forward. So she's somebody who's outside the walls of City Hall. Olivia Chow just entered. We talked about her. She served as a city councillor for a long time, and then she leveled up and went to uh, Parliament Hill as uh, an MP. She did run in the 2014 election. She finished third uh, for mayor behind John Tory and Doug Ford back in 2014. Everybody knows she was married to Jack Layton, who was uh, a very popular leader of the uh, federal NDP party. So she is a known commodity, and she really shakes things up uh, here because up until she entered, Josh Matlow was kind of the most left-leaning known candidate, and now she's kind of moved in there. So, you know, how many votes does she pull from him? How does that affect his turnout? That's kind of what the dynamic is going forward here. And then the last candidate that uh, is sort of uh, a big known candidate here is Mark Saunders, and he is the former chief of police. He served as the chief of police for, uh, I believe, five or six years uh, before he stepped away a couple of years ago. And he uh, ran in the uh, provincial election recently, lost as a conservative in the Don Valley area. And he's come in and he is touting himself as the law and order candidate and has really pushed a lot of his platform about safety. We know there's a lot of issues on transit here with a lot of violent incidents that have happened in the last few months, including a couple of murders. So he is using that or uh, making that at least the focus of a big part of his election. And you could argue out of all these candidates that I've named, he might be the most known just mm -hmm. because he was chief of police and was, you know, on TVs and on the radio yeah. and, and on newspapers for such a long time for good and bad reason. I want to get to 
at least a few of the things that will drive this conversation, uh, obviously in Toronto and and maybe beyond, just because these are, as you pointed out, r- real headline issues. Let's start with the violence on the TTC. Um, this is something that's been touted, you know, provincially, nationally, that Toronto is becoming a dangerous place. Um, Saunders is pitching himself as somebody who can stop this. Where do the candidates stand on it? And what are you hearing about that as a campaign issue? There's several issues that the city faces, um, budgetary-wise and so on. But really, this violence on the TTC has really kind of pushed itself to the forefront um, for understandable reasons. You know, there was a 16-year-old boy uh, who was murdered at Keel Station a few weeks ago. He was just sitting on a bench waiting for the subway. Uh, There was no confrontation. And out of nowhere, somebody killed him. So obviously, when something like that happens, it does rattle the city. You know, there's a lot of people who use the transit system who don't have a choice. They have to use the transit system. That's their main mode of transportation. Now, statistically speaking, there's still a relatively lower number of violent incidents on the TTC, but there's been some higher profile ones over the past few months. So that's 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 kind of what the issue is. So Mark Saunders has come forward and he's pitching the idea of hiring more special constables, giving them body-worn cameras, that kind of thing. So his obviously thing is that he was the chief of police, so he is touting his 38 years as a cop. But, you know, one of the things that he's been challenged on and I challenge him on is he's coming forward as the law and order candidate, but he was chief of police for a long time, not too long ago. So if the city is broken the way he says it's broken, that's his word. Doesn't he bear at least some of that responsibility for it being broken, considering he was chief for a long time? Sure. He doesn't deny that. He says it's a joint responsibility, but he says the brunt of the responsibility is with government. So that's his uh, pitch. Anna Bailau is saying that she wants to, you know, the TTC just went through a whole bunch of cuts funding and service cuts. And so her thing is that she wants to reverse those cuts and bring the money back. Josh Matlow has already talked about the 2% tax increase that he wants to bring and some of that money would go to transit. So all these candidates, they're all talking about it. They're all saying relatively the same thing. Nobody is really saying anything terribly different in terms of their ideas. They're all saying that there's issues on transit. And one of the things that you're going to hear again and again and again, regardless of what issue we're talking about, whether it's housing, mental health issues, homeless supports, transit is that the city is in a real hole financially. We have more than a billion dollar deficit in the city that they have to fill uh, because they can't have an unbalanced budget in the city by law. And that the provincial and federal governments have to step up and pay up what all these candidates will say is their share. And that's an issue that comes up over and over is that the city can't do it alone. The province and the feds have to come up with that money. And that's one of the more interesting issues in this election is that Every candidate's talking about it, all these things they're going to do, but really they're at the mercy of the provincial and federal government in a big way mm-hmm. until they come through with that money. There's not a lot that's going to happen. And in fact, the city's in a lot of trouble if that money doesn't come through. The other issue I want to ask you about um, before we talk about what's actually coming up in terms of the electoral calendar is housing, which we've covered on this show Frequently, it is probably the most consistent uh, crisis area, failure issue, whatever you want to call it, uh, of this city and many others in Canada over the past several years. What are some of the candidates saying about that? And and you mentioned uh, Anna Bailau. She's trying to make this her own issue. Who else? Yeah. So again, it's it's uh, we haven't heard everybody's platforms yet. So a few candidates haven't come up with kind of like their specifics of what they're going to do, but it is the key issue. And I think it ties into what really is the main kind of, if you could put one big umbrella issue on what this election is about, it's about affordability. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Toronto has become a very unaffordable city to live in. Uh, it costs more now to ride transit. Housing is out of reach for so many people. 
we know that uh, gas is more expensive. Of course, that's not in the city's purview, but that's part of living in the city. You know, so there's a the huge issue of just unaffordability right now in the city, and housing is kind of the main tenant of that issue right now in the unaffordability. So uh, Josh Matlow just stepped forward uh, the other day and he came forward with the plan uh, that he says uh, works in other cities, including uh, in Europe, uh, where he wants to create a, a, a new housing agency in Toronto uh, where they build housing and they reinvest that money into building more housing. And it's kind of a unique idea in terms of one that we haven't seen here. But again, Where's the money coming from? That's something we're asking every time. You know, where's the money coming from? Hmm. Anna Bailao has worked hand in hand with the fit, with the feds and the province, so she's maybe the most well versed in this issue because she was so hands on. So she, you know, is talking more about housing now, which is what the city's already doing uh, and uh, building out uh, more housing. Uh, so all the candidates are talking about it and and bringing forward their ideas, and it's certainly going to be interesting once the debates do start and they start kind of going at each other what uh, these candidates are going to say about what is one of the most key issues in the city. I imagine, too, in one of those debates or or one of those news conferences, it just takes one of these candidates who is relatively unknown to kind of have a a viral moment um, and and launch their name recognition. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, that's that's one of the key things is that they're all... So many of them are holding news conferences quite regularly, especially Bailao and Matlow, and I imagine Olivia Chow will as well. And, you know, they're all kind of talking about things all the time and just trying their best to stand out. But then there's also the risk of oversaturation where it all blends together and mm-hmm. everything kind of mishmashes and people aren't able to delineate between what's what. And then you have to remember that there, because things are so bunched together and it's possible this election is close, like you said, some sort of uh, what we what could be called a fringe candidate could generate enough momentum to, I don't know if they could win this election, maybe, but certainly they could generate enough momentum to maybe get enough votes to affect another candidate's chances. The last time we had this wide open an election, there was a fringe candidate, city councillor. Nobody really took him seriously. And then Rob Ford won. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and when he won in 2010, we all kind of look at it retrospectively and he was the mayor and he was this kind of larger than life figure. But he wasn't expected to win that election at all. And he really kind of came out of nowhere and and just... Had some viral moments. Yeah, and he had a message that appealed to voters because, you know, he was known as the guy who would pick up the phone and uh, if you had a tree on your lawn or your water was off or uh, there was a crack in your sidewalk or you needed a stop sign, you need to, and even if he wasn't the counselor in your ward, he would say, you can call me and I'll help you out. And he had this kind of every man quality at that time that appealed to voters and people came out in in big numbers to support him. So last question, uh, what happens next? You mentioned debates. Do we know when they are? Um, when's voting day? You know, break down uh, just kind of the timeline here. Sure. So a couple of things. One, the nomination period is still open. That goes until May 12th. So it started a couple of weeks ago. There's still time for candidates to register. Like I said, I think we're going to get over 50. In terms of like a bigger name candidate that's out there, I don't know that there's one that we're waiting to register. The only one that hasn't kind of said definitively is Stephen Holiday. He's a counselor here. Last we checked with him, he said he was still thinking about it. I don't think he's going to enter, but I guess he still could. But in terms of other major names, I don't know, unless there's somebody that just comes out of nowhere that I'm not thinking about. I think all the kind of bigger names are in, uh, but the nominations close on May 12th. Then, as far as I know, there's only one debate that I've seen confirmed. We can expect more, but there's one that's going to be happening at the University of Toronto Scarborough in late May. Uh, They're inviting candidates. One of the more interesting things about the debates that we're going to see is who gets invited to the debates, right? Are they going to invite just these 
kind of front runner, bigger name candidates that we're talking about, even that, that's like eight or nine people. That's a lot for a debate. Right. Who makes the decisions on who gets to debate, who get, who doesn't get to debate. So that's what we're going to find out. But I imagine there's going to be multiple debates. You know, I'm sure some of the uh, news organizations, television networks will try to put on one. So we'll see who does it. And, you know, last election, there was only two debates and they were kind of a foregone conclusion that John Tory is going to win. But this time the debates may actually matter. It may actually mean something. So we'll see what happens uh, and then uh, election day is June 26th. So that's kind of the big day that everybody goes out to the polls. There will be advanced polling, I believe, a couple of weeks before that, where people can go and cast their ballots if they don't have time on election day. But that's when it all boils down. So again, normally the campaign for mayor opens up in about April, May, and then election day is in October. So it's about a six-month period. This is a mad dash to the finish. It's very fast, you know, especially once the nomination period closes on the 12th. Then it's just kind of like five, six weeks to the end, and then it's over. And then, you know, at the end of June, early July, we'll have a new mayor sworn in. And, and that's when the real show kind of begins as you see who wins and whether uh, whoever takes over decides to kind of change entire directions for who, what's here. Or if somebody like Anna Bailao wins, she could kind of keep most of what John Tory had in motion and there won't be too much of a shakeup. But if someone like Josh Matlow or Olivia Chow wins, they could change everything, you know? So, uh, so who knows where we're headed at this point. Gosh, I love election chaos. Moment, thank you so much for this. Uh, yeah, no, me and you, Jordan, me and you both. I think a lot of people just uh, are eating it up and eating popcorn as we watch it all play out. Moment Qureshi, a busy man, reporting at City Hall in Toronto for City News 680. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can, as always, talk to us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn or via email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. We would love to hear from you if you've got a story idea or a bone to pick or whatever you want. And if you want to actually leave a voicemail, you can do that by calling 416-935-5935. If you just want to listen to the podcast and really have no interest in talking to us, you could do that wherever you get podcasts. Or, of course, you can do it on your smart speaker by asking it to play the Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.